Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. There's a couple things that I feel like in my spirit I need to pray over. I think that some of us are battling a spirit of confusion. And, and what that is, is, man, the Lord has spoken things to you and over you. And your reality, it does not match what the Lord has said. And it's because the enemy is trying to get you to believe that those words will not come to pass. What God has said, like, what he's trying to get you to believe what God has said is not true. And, and I, I just really feel in my spirit that there are people that the Lord has spoken over them some truth. And, and the enemy's saying, well, your reality doesn't line up with that truth, so it must not be truth. And that's a lie from the, the pit of hell. And, and, I, and church, God's truth trumps our reality every time. So I'm not saying we deny what's going on. I'm just saying that there are people in here that the enemy's coming at them and, and they're battling doubt. Maybe the Lord said, I'm going to heal you. And you've been trying to stand on that, but you see, it seems like your health is getting worse, but God's truth. Or maybe your finances, God says, I'm going to show up in that. And I just really feel like there's a spirit of confusion. So I want to, I want to take authority over that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I bind this. Look, people that are battling this right now, whether they're watching online or here in person, Lord, I just bind this right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I, I release your truth over their minds to ring loud and clear. And I bind all confusion. I bind the lies of the enemy. Lord God, you are a God of truth. And I thank you that you keep your word. I thank you that you keep your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bind all confusion and I release clarity. I release clarity over minds of people who have been, who've been battling. The enemy's just been attacking their mind. I just, I, just, I just bind that in the mighty name of Jesus. The second thing I really feel like the Lord's really laid on my heart as, as, as we're just laying in, Right there, this has nothing to do with my, my message, but I do think that we I need to declare this over some people, that you have been faithfully planting seed. You've been faithfully planting seed, and, there's, and you feel like the seed has gone nowhere. And I'm here to tell you today that it is about to burst forth. Man, and, and as we were worshiping, all I could think of was bamboo. I, get, I, I just kept seeing bamboo. And here's a random fact about bamboo. Here's a random fact about bamboo. It takes three years for bamboo to break the surface. Once you plant bamboo, like say six inches down into the soil, it takes three years for bamboo to break the surface of the soil. But once it breaks the surface of the soil, a bamboo can grow four feet in 24 hours. And I'm here to tell you that you are about to experience the four foot growth very quickly because you've been faithful. God has not forgotten the seeds that you've planted. And I don't know who's this for, but you're about to go into a, a, a bamboo season. God's about to grow it exponentially. 
And you need to just remind yourself right now that he is faithful. He is faithful that the, the seeds that God has had you plant will bear fruit. Father, I just pray right now for your church. Lord, every person that has been like that, man, the enemy is coming at them with weariness. Lord, they're they're, they're, they're remaining faithful, but that weariness is on them. Lord, I I just pray right now that you will rejuvenate them. Lord Jesus, that that seed that they've planted will bear fruit, that they do not need to grow weary and well-doing, for at the proper time, they will reap a harvest if they don't give up. Because you are good, because you keep your word, because you, you, God, are the faithful one. I thank you, God that you never forget us, that you never forsake us, that you are with us always. I praise your name, holy God. Don't grow weary, church. Don't grow weary. You might be in the soil right now. You might be in the soil right now. But once you sprout, God's gonna grow it quickly. And your harvest will come quickly. Breakthrough is going to happen. Jesus says in John chapter 13, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will remain a seed. It has to die for it to grow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for your word today that you'll speak to your people. Help me to communicate it clearly. Lord, help me to be your oracle, your mouthpiece in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, your people don't need another message. They need to hear from you, Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. You may be seated. Man, God's good. God's good. I want to tell you a joke. I've told you this one before, but it's been a while, and it's probably one of my favorites. So I'm going to tell you again, because it makes me laugh every time I tell you. So it makes me laugh every time I tell it. Um, So (laughs) I'm already laughing. Some of you guys are going to be like, that was a joke? Seriously? When I get done, you're going to be like, huh. This guy's an idiot. That's fine. <laughs> Most of you already know that. But it, um, in the middle of the night, this wife reached over and she noticed that her husband was up out of the bed. And it was like 4 a.m., 3.30 a.m. And she gets up and she walks downstairs to see him at the kitchen table. And he's just has some tears running down his face and he has a cup of coffee and he's just sipping it and tears are running down his face and she walks up and and he, she goes, honey, are you okay? What's, what's wrong? And he goes, remember when we first met and that passion we had for one another and he takes a sip and tears are running down his face and she's kind of flattered. She's like, oh, well, yeah, honey, I, re- I remember that, you know? And she's, he's like, we were so young and in love and he's like, tears run down his face, and she was like, yeah, and she sits down, reaches out, and grabs his hand that wasn't holding the coffee cup, 
And he said, remember that one time that your dad caught us in the back of the car? She's like, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, I remember that. He takes a sip and tears are running down his face. And he says, remember how he pulled the shotgun out at me and said, marry her or you're going to go to jail for 20 years? And she She's like, oh, my goodness, you remember all this? And she's like, she's really flattered at this point. And he takes a sip of coffee and more, he's starting to cry more profusely. He's just, like, crying and crying. And, and she, she's like, yeah, honey, I, I remember all of that. He takes another sip, and he's just crying. And he goes, I would have been out of jail today. Oh, come on. That's funny. I don't care who you are. Uh, I, I laugh every time I tell it because I, I think it's so funny. I'll probably tell it again in like four months. So just get ready. I'll tell you one more. It still baffles me as I'm studying Genesis how God can take a rib and create a loudspeaker. It's, oh, you, come on, Ryan, that was just wrong. Point proven. Boom. Oh, I'm just joking. Or am I? So we, I love when God rearranges my plans. And over the course of July and praying for you guys and things, the Lord just really started laying this theme on my heart. Um, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. And and earlier in the year, I read the book of Hebrews, and it just kept sticking with me. And the more I prayed, and we we talked about sermon series and different things like that, and we the we were planning on going differently. And I still have sermon some sermon series in. Um, that we're going to address in the future, but I made an executive decision as I was praying and the Lord just really laid this theme on my heart. And I think that this is a thing that we need to hear in this season. In the midst of everything going on in our society, in the midst of everything going on in our world, in the midst of everything going on in your life, we need to be reminded that Jesus is greater. And the whole book of Hebrews is this beautiful letter to the church, um, to the Jewish church in Rome, but reminding them that Jesus is greater. Jesus is the greater Abraham. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is the greater high priest. Jesus is the greater the greatest choice you can make. He's saying Jesus is greater than angels. Jesus is greater than Melchizedek. Jesus is greater. And he, he hits on this over and over and over again. And then the overarching theme of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is greater. But within, within that theme of Jesus is greater, there's three common narratives that push this idea of Jesus is greater. It's Hold on to your faith in Jesus Christ. It's grow in spiritual maturity. Like, this is so important because so often we can get stunted in our growth. And, 
It would be so weird to see a full-grown adult that has a mental capacity of a five-year-old, but we have Christians in that same vein. They never mature in their faith. They never keep growing because they get stunted along the way, and they don't... There does come a point, we do need each other for discipleship, but there does come a point in our walk with God that we have to take discipleship upon ourselves and study the word of God for ourselves and determine that I am going to grow in Christ whether I have people around me or not. That's spiritual maturity. Do we need one another? Absolutely. Does being living in community help that? Absolutely. It does, because we need a Paul in our life, so to speak, that pour into us. We need a we need a a, a person our age or a friend that can call us out, and we also need to be pouring into a younger person in our life. We need that generational discipleship going on in our life. But there does come a point where we have to take responsibility for our own discipleship, and and, and we hear this all the time in churches too. Well, I. I quit going to that church because I wasn't being fed. Well, if I only ate on Sunday, I would starve too. Let's just be honest. We have got to be responsible. So the author of Hebrews, which we don't technically know who it is, challenges us. He says, hold on to your faith in Christ. Grow in spiritual maturity and then this is the last kind of under theme of the book of Hebrews. Not to condemn ourselves by turning to religion or legalism. Don't condemn yourself by going back to trying to earn it on your own. That's actually a sign that you're not growing to spiritual maturity. When you try to earn something from God through religion and legalism. So... We're going to look at four verses today, the introduction to the book of Hebrews. And I am all for walking through things. We're going to walk through. Next week, we're going to look at why Jesus is greater than angels. And it's, uh, it's, it's just a healthy mind. There's a spiritual world out there that exists. And here's the interesting thing about the spiritual world. The spiritual world affects the physical world. The physical world does not affect the spiritual world. So spiritual realities are greater realities. <laughs> and we think like our reality is the greatest. No, 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 no. Spiritual realities are the greater realities and there's a, a whole world out there that we cannot see. We can feel through the Holy Spirit in us, but we can't see it unless the Lord allows us. But we're going to talk about how Jesus is greater than angels next week. He kind of hits on this today, but today we're looking at four verses, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Um, I can't wait. We're not going to start in verse 2. We're going to go back to verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. So it's interesting. And the author here is really hitting some stuff. He's saying God used to speak to groups of people through emissaries called prophets. He would give them a word, and the prophet would go give the people the word. And prophets, though, they did not have the Spirit indwelling them. 
the, the Spirit would interact, the Holy Spirit would interact with them, He would commune with them. But we as Christians have God indwelling us, followers of Christ. And so now when He says that He has spoken to us through His Son, we know we, we still need prophets to call us to repentance. That's the role of the prophet. But we don't need prophets in the same way as the Old Testament because Jesus speaks to us. Let's keep going. The sun radiates God's own glory and it expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the power of his command. When he has... When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than angels. Just as the name of God, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. You know, Jesus has a name. Like the, the name of Jesus is powerful. We just sang about that. But do you know Jesus has a name that only he knows? And it's the greatest name. It's, it's greater than Jesus. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And it's just a, between him and the Father. And it's the most powerful name. It's ironic because Jesus is the most powerful name. But there's a name that's above Jesus. That is Jesus' name that only Jesus knows. Like What? Where is that in the Bible? Revelation. It's, it's like, you, if you want to be bothered by something that you'll never know, there it is. You'll never know that name of Jesus. Like, you're just going to be aggravated the rest of your life. You're welcome. Today, I'm gonna, I want to ask one question. And I'm going to give you two sub, I'm going to give you two answers to this one question. And there are a million answers to this question, okay? I'm going to give you two answers that I believe are really good answers if you ever get asked this. If we're entitling a series, Jesus is Greater, right out the gate, I want to ask the question, why is Jesus greater? Why is Jesus greater? And we all, we, we all, if I went around and interviewed each of us, I guarantee you every one of us could give us amazing answers. Why Jesus is greater. Greater than your circumstances, greater than Moses, greater than anything. At the end of the day, it's Jesus is greater than anything we could come up with to get to God. Jesus is greater than our own efforts. Jesus is greater. There's not one thing that you can think of that Jesus is not greater than. With that said... In this world, there are approximately over 7 billion people, 7.5 billion people. In the midst of 7.5 billion people, that means there's 7.5 billion opinions. In the midst of 7.5 billion opinions, that means there's going to be differing opinions. Some of us might agree. Some of us might not agree. But everyone has an opinion. I have yet to meet someone who does not have an opinion about anything, especially religion. The author of Hebrews goes to great lengths to establish the superiority of Christ over everything. 
everything we will experience in life. Christ is superior then. But as you walk that out in your life, you're going to have people that will come to you and not agree with that opinion. And I believe that as a Christian and we encounter different people, we need to be able to answer the question, why is Jesus greater? And not just give, I'm all for giving Christianese answers because we stand on the word of God, but give a reason that people who don't believe in Jesus can say, okay, that makes sense to me. And that's what I hope to do today is I want to give us answers to this question to where if we're having a conversation with someone who is far from Jesus that has never even heard the gospel, they can say, oh, that makes sense. I understand that. When we try to get to God by our own means, we will live in perpetual condemnation because we have no grace and mercy to rest on. That's legalism. That's religion. The author of Hebrews dispels that. Jesus is greater because he dispels religion and legalism. You can't get to God on your own. You can't do it. It's Jesus. I had a conversation, and I shared bits and pieces of it. And for this message, I'm going to reshare it a little bit. I, I talked to someone who told me that they believed that all world religions were equal, and they were all equally valid. And they were all, like, in her words, she said they were all correct or they were all right. Which, to me, my, let's, let's put aside my Christianity for a second. Just my analytical brain, which drives me crazy sometimes, and I know it drives Amy crazy a lot, but I analyze things, and I have to sometimes, I really have to smush my, my analytical side a lot when, when I hear things like that, because my analytical brain wanted to be smart aleck. Don't be like that. I wasn't like that. I bit my tongue um, in this conversation, and I was praying the whole time. I was like, Lord, I really want to be able to witness to this young lady, um, and I don't want to be smart aleck, because that's, like, I'm not trying to debate her. That's not the point in conversation is to debate or be right. But my analytical side wants to be right and to debate. And so I have to squish that a lot. But in my head, when, when people make claims like all religions are right or they're all correct, that is a logical fallacy. Because when all religions claim exclusivity, and that's a big word for Arkansas boy, um, they, all, they all claim that they're the correct way. Right? Like, Islam says it's right. Hinduism believes it's right. Um, Judaism believes it's right. Taoism believes it's right. You know, Buddhism believes it's right. Catholicism believes it's right. Mormonism believes it's right. Christianity believes it's right. If we all believe we're right, and we're, and, and we're the only way, individually... We can't all be right. Right? 
No, that means someone has to be wrong. And someone has to be right. And where, where Christianity is different is we're the only inclusive and exclusive. That means we want everyone. Not all religions want everyone. We want everyone, but we believe that Jesus is the only way. And but yet we include everyone. We welcome everyone. Like some religions don't welcome you until you're already converted. We welcome people regardless of whether they choose to follow Jesus because we love our neighbor as ourself, right? So Christianity is separated in that sense. But she had one opinion. That was just one opinion of, hey, I think, I think they're all right. Why is Jesus greater? So in this conversation, I, I literally told her, I said, well, let's think about this. If all are right, none are right. Only one can be right. Only one can be right. And so I, here, here are two reasons why I think Jesus is greater. The first reason is action speaks louder. Action speaks louder than words. No other religion, no other belief system, no other way to get to God is like Christianity. Action speaks louder. No other belief system makes a way for us. Like in the, you, you might say in the Old Testament, the law kind of made a way. No, it was kind of a roadmap, but no one could follow it perfectly. Then the only way the law in the Old Testament worked right is when you followed all of it correctly. And you couldn't. Hence the sacrificial system. You had to, you had to make a sacrifice for all your sins in the previous year. But Jesus, how he fulfilled the law, he made a sacrifice not only for every sin that has ever been committed, his sacrifice was for every sin that will ever be committed. The law can't do that. And that never will be able to. You can only confess what you know. You can only bring to God what you've already done. But Jesus' salvation is so thorough that he, he, his, he doesn't work like the law. He's forgiven you entirely. Entirely. Action speaks louder. So I want to I hit Philippians chapter 2. How does action speak louder than words? Other religions say, do this, do this, do this, do this. And, and here's the thing with, with, with the law. The law is like an unfair husband that only tells you what to do, but he never offers help to do it. That's what the law does. That's what Islam does. Islam will tell you, pray seven times a day. Bow or, or Taoism, meditate. Uh, or Buddhism, it, it, it tells you to relinquish your, your, your desires here on earth. You constantly have to do things in order to achieve next level in that relationship with their gods. And it's always on you. But it never offers help in the doing. 
And, and the same thing is true in the Old Testament. It was always on the people. They could not do it right enough. They could not be good enough. They had to constantly make sacrifices. They had to constantly. And like, was there a relationship? Yes, kind of with God in the Old Testament. But when, when Jesus came, he broke that bridge because no longer it falls on you to do it. And in Philippians, I don't think there's a better verse that establishes the, the, the action that Jesus took to establish why he's greater. No other God on earth stepped into humanity to make a way. But Jesus, this is what it says, you must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So why? Why is Jesus greater? Action speaks louder than words. Jesus stepped in. He emptied himself. What, what does it say right here? It says he gave up. Some of you guys just read he gave up. It's like, oh, thank God. That's something I can do. Oh, I can give up. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. He gave up his divine privileges. Some translations say he emptied himself. He emptied himself of his divinity when he was on earth. He did not do one thing as God. He was 100% man, 100% God, but did not do one thing as God. I think that's so amazing. Because if Jesus did a single thing as God, one miracle as God, I'm reduced to a spectator. That's all I can be. Because I'm not God, and I never will be. And so all I can do is be a spectator. But because he did everything as man led by the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, suddenly I'm a participant. Suddenly I'm like, if a man, Jesus, the man, fully God, fully man, he, he didn't do, he didn't walk on water as God. He didn't raise the dead as God. He did it as a man led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly I can be a participant. He emptied himself. No other God has ever done that. Obviously all other gods are demonic and they're not real, but there's not one religion where their God emptied himself and became a man in our place, took our crime upon him. Second thing he did was he humbled himself. I think so often we, we get caught up in Christmas, and Christmas is right around the corner. I know that. It's crazy. But we kind of get caught up in Christmas, and we look at the, the, the manger and the, just how beautiful that baby boy must have been to marry and all these things. But we forget that up to that point in history, that was the greatest sacrifice the universe had ever seen. 
Jesus, one moment, was on a throne. The next moment, he was in a womb. One moment, he was God, and he still is, and he was, but I mean, but he was ruling the universe. He was holding things together by the power of his word. The next moment, he was growing in a womb. You want to talk about sacrifice. We will never understand the sacrifice of God becoming man. That's infinitely beneath him. He emptied himself of his divinity. He humble. How humbling is that? Think about that. For the, a God who's never needed, he doesn't need love. He, like, he doesn't need your love. He wants your love. That, like, he has perfect communion within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has perfect love within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He doesn't need anything. And for the first time in forever, God needed he needed to sleep. He needed to eat. He needed nourishment. He needed care. He needed love while he was a man on earth. He humbled himself. The infinite became finite. Because action speaks louder. Why is Jesus greater? Because action speaks louder than words. He didn't just say, I'm going to save him. You're saved. No, he said, I'm going to step in. I'm going, to let, I'm going to let me become them. So, so when they come to me with their issues, I can know exactly how they feel. I know exactly what they're going through. And the last thing he did here is he obeyed. Who did he obey? He obeyed the Father. Why? Because the Father wants communion with you. The Father wants relationship with you. You and Jesus was the avenue for that relationship to be restored. And I know you guys are thinking, oh, this is so elementary. It is. It's fun foundational. It is. And it's fundamental. It is. But fundamentals are so important. And we can, we can lose the gravity of what Jesus did for us if we don't go over the fundamental things. Why is Jesus greater? And when you're talking with people, when you're, when you're having discourse with them, I dare you to start talking about these things. Jesus stepped into humanity on our behalf to fulfill 366 laws that we can't fulfill. Or 312, I, I got way off. 312. That we can't fulfill. If there was 366, we wouldn't be able to fulfill them either. So, because God, because Jesus is greater, and God wants a relationship with you. So why is he greater? Action speaks louder than words. He stepped in. He gave up his divine privileges. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. And he obeyed. And, and the last thing, why, why is Jesus greater? And we kind of hit on this. Communion. Communion. I'm going to define it real quick. Because sometimes we get an idea of what communion is, and we think these cups, which we're going to take communion. But communion is the sharing or exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings. 
Jesus is greater because he, he reestablished communion with the Father. What this cup represents is that reestablished communion. We call this communion, and if you look it up, this is actually one of the definitions of communion. It says a religious activity that Christians observe. But that's not what this is. This is not just a religious activity. This represents the fact that Jesus reestablished a relationship with the Father. The sharing or exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings. So I'm going to pause for a moment in my message. And I want us all to come get communion. Pause. Move. Let's go. Break. Put your hand in. Let's go. I know it's it's so like this this is not traditional communion. I, I know, but like if, if I'm gonna have a point called communion, we're gonna take communion, okay? We're gonna talk about it. So I want to hit on something, on how big communion is. Why is Jesus greater? He stepped into humanity when no one else did, when no one else could, when nothing else could make a difference, Jesus made the difference. He established communion. He brought us back into proper relationship with the Father. He's the only one. Jesus one of the great I am's of Christ is I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father but through him. If you want communion with God and you're looking in other religions, and, and, and that, was, that was this conversation. She says, I've looked into a lot of religions. I grew up in, a, 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 I grew up in church, and, and we are very religious, and I try to communicate to this person. It's not about religion. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants to bring you to the Father, and that, that's the whole thing the holy spirit uh, the holy spirit jesus and the father are all part of your salvation because the holy spirit brings you to jesus he he brings you to a point where you can say i believe that jesus is the son of god that he died on the cross and that he rose again in my place that i can have a relationship with the father the holy spirit gets you to that point and then jesus takes it from there he says hey you know now that we have a relationship i want you to see the father that we have a we we when, when he talks to you it's we because because he established communion with the Father, we are co-heirs with Christ. So he says we have a loving Father. He, he's if you're if you're a child of God, you're just as much a child of God as Jesus. Like what? Romans eight is very clear that we are co-heirs with Christ. He is the firstborn among the dead. He was the first to come back to life. And when we accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit puts new life in us. We are born again spiritually. Though this body might waste away, we are a new creation. And that means when we die, that we will live forever just like Christ. He's the firstborn. He's our big brother. And he brings us to the Father. And our Father says, I love you. I'm here for you. 
I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you. That's, that's the communion. And, but I want to read this famous verse out of 1 Corinthians. It's 11, 17 to 34. And this is the, the famous communion verse. And since I, the last three weeks, I've been trying to turn things on its head, talking about Peter walking on water and, and different things like that, and just kind of messing with people's understanding of Scripture. I just figure I continue that tradition today because we have misused this verse so much when communicating communion. We've turned it into a religious activity instead of what it represents. And so what I'm, I'm, we're going we're gonna to read it and then I'm going to talk about it and then we're going to take communion. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. So we're looking at Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to a church in Corinth. It's a Greek city. And he was bragging on them. They were doing some good things. But when it came to communion, there was some stuff that they were doing that did not look like Jesus. He says, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. <laughs> but of course, there must be divisions among you so that, um, that you who have God's approval will be recognized. So he's, he's being facetious at this point. He's like, there's some of you that don't have God's approval. And some of you, like he's, he's calling them out. When you meet together, you are not equally interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. None of us are getting drunk today. None of us are actually getting filled up on a cracker either. So, what? What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What, I, what am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. Hmm. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. And so we always pick up, we pick up right here, right? Every time we take communion, not, not here, but like this is a, like if you have been in church for any length of time, you could probably almost quote this. For on the night he was betrayed, you know, like you get into it. This is where we pick up. And we, this is the danger of when we don't contextualize scripture. We don't put it into context for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant 
between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus. So at this point, traditionally, this is where I'm going to step on some toes. All right? This would be where pastors would say, we need to repent. We need to search our hearts, make sure there's no sin in us. That's not what it says. Let's go to, let's go on. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. This is serious stuff, guys. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some of you have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I will give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. The whole point, why is Jesus greater? He reestablished communion with the Father. And what this verse is saying is un, uh, an unworthy way to take communion is when we believe we are better than someone else. It has little, if not, it has nothing to do with whether we are a Christian. Quite frankly, I believe non-Christians should take this because if you're taking this and you're, you're confessing and you're thanking God for his blood, that's one step closer to salvation. No, it's it's when we think that we're better than a brother and sister in Christ, that's what Paul is coming against. And why is Jesus greater? It's because he made us equal members of his body. He made us co-heirs with him. He, he established communion with the Father. We are equal, you and I. We're equal. And, and I say all this because I, I don't want any of us to be judged. Some of us might be going through a really hard time. Some of us, and, and, and it's easy to like, oh, there must be something going on in their life. If we have that attitude and we take this, guess what? We're, 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 we're inviting God's wrath on us. If we're thinking we're better than someone else, that's what... First Corinthians is talking about. 
And I know our whole life, my whole life, I remember every time I took communion growing up, I would take it and I would just say, God, if there's, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do this. I'm just saying that I would almost feel condemned taking communion instead of celebrating what communion means because it gets pulled out. Communion means I get to go to the Father because of Jesus. That's something to celebrate. That's something to believe. Why is Jesus greater? Because his body was broken and mine wasn't. Because he made a way through his blood. He removed all my sin. He's greater. He's greater. There's not one other religion. There's not one other system. You can't think of it. You can't do enough to remove your own sin. You can't be good enough. You can't um, read your Bible enough. You can't help old ladies across the street enough. You can't enough. But Jesus, through the, the body and the blood, he established communion. And all this is, is remembering that he established communion with our Father. We remember the goodness of our God that he stepped into humanity on our behalf so that we can have a covenant relationship with Jesus and with the Father. And on top of that, he sends his spirit to indwell us. So what I want to do today, as we take this, let's get the, hopefully you guys have your bachelor's degrees ready because you almost need one to get the bread out. Get the bread. And let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Let's reflect. Let's celebrate what Jesus did. Peter echoes. Peter in his epistle, well, he, had, he wrote two. In his first one, he echoes what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. And then Peter takes it a step further and he puts a name on it. By Christ's stripes we are healed. This bread represents a body that was beaten with the Roman cat of nine tails on our behalf so that there can be healing. But before we even get into this, I do think we need to examine ourselves, but not in the traditional sense. I think we need to ask the Lord this, Lord, do I think I'm better than any person here or in your body? I'm dead serious. That's what was happening in the Corinthian church. And they were drinking judgment on themselves. And Paul straight says, because they thought they were better, that's why they were sick. Maybe there's something <laughs> that you can't kick and you're like, I can't, I can't figure out why I'm so sick all the time. Do you think you're better than someone in the body of Christ when we're equal, we're equal heirs? And I'm dead serious. Let's, just, let's examine ourselves the way Paul tells us. Because Jesus is greater. He established communion. Let's have communion with him. Let's, what was the definition of communion? It says sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. Let's do that. Let's exchange. Father, examine us. Lord, do we think do I think I'm better than anyone? And Lord, if I do, please forgive me and reveal to me who that is so that I might repent to them. Lord, forgive me. That is not you. You made us equal members of one body, one church. You put the same spirit equally in all of us. 
Holy Spirit, we thank you. Now let's let's just thank the Lord for the body that He. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, that we might be healed. Lord, I pray if there's any sick among among us today, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that they will be healed when we when we take this. That that, that you will that you will remove disease, Lord, fibromyalgia or lupus or or, or eye issues, Lord, or back issues. Lord, I, I just pray right now, Lord, or hip issues, Lord, I pray that you will just just completely heal them. Lord, as we recognize what you did, Lord, you didn't hypothetically go to the, the beating post. You didn't theoretically say, by my stripes, we are healed. This is not a theory. This is reality. You are our healer. Lord, I thank you because of your broken body. Let's take the cup or the bread together. I love that Jesus, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. I love the fact that he didn't just, like, he didn't just address it. Obviously, at the end of the day, God wants us in eternity with him. He died for us to get to heaven and spend eternity with him. But he loves us so much that while we're on earth, he wants to heal our bodies. He wants to bless us here on our short time on this planet. I love that. But at the same time, it's such a thorough salvation. He touches our body. He heals our body. And then he turns around and sheds his blood to establish. He fulfilled that old covenant. And then he says, because they couldn't fulfill it, I fulfilled it. But now I establish a new covenant. That means they come to God through me. Not through not through keeping rules, not through keeping regulations, not through keeping laws, not through any effort of our own. We are saved by grace. We are saved by faith through grace. This is not from ourselves. This is a free gift from God so that no one can boast. Jesus shed his blood to establish a new covenant with the Father And he did all the heavy lifting. He did all the work. There's not one thing we can do to add to our salvation. It's just rest in the fact that Jesus shed his blood to cover our sin, that he died on the cross, and that he rose again to set us free from the power of sin. And now we can have communion with the Father. Jesus, we thank you that you removed our sin. Lord, thank you that you see Jesus when you look at us. Father, you don't see us. We don't, you don't see our blemishes. You don't see any of that. You see the blood of Jesus that washed us white as snow. We thank you, Jesus, that your blood is enough. Jesus, we thank you that you are greater. You're the greatest. You, you, you are the, the greater option. You are the greater salvation. You are. Lord, we thank you because you are who you are and we worship you Jesus we thank you that your blood was shed on our behalf to remove every blemish every sin Lord we thank you that you died once for all and that was enough you are greater let's take the cup together Because communion is a celebration. Because why why is Jesus greater? 
because action speaks louder than words. He stepped in, he acted to get us to God, and then he established communion with God. And, and because we, we, we remember what J Jesus did to establish communion with God through the taking of communion, we get to celebrate. And I want to celebrate. Communion is not a funeral service. It is a celebration. And I, as I was praying about the service, the Lord laid this song so heavy on my heart. And I believe that this is a song for us to declare today because Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than every situation that you can find yourself in. Jesus is greater than every need that is coming against you. Jesus is, is greater than every attack of the enemy. Jesus is superior. Jesus is greater than your physical sickness. Jesus is greater than that financial need. Jesus is greater than that emotional um, obstacle that, that's coming against you. Maybe it's depression or anxiety. And, and, and the enemy is saying, well, he's trying to convince you that he's not, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus is greater. And I, what I want us to do and how I want us to end today is let's declare that Jesus is greater. Let's declare that, let's declare Jesus in the circumstances of our life. Let's declare Jesus because he is the greatest. He is the greater option, the greater choice. He's the greater salvation. So let's stand and let's declare and let's celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus and over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within your presence. I see Jesus And I just want to seek the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I seek Jesus Cause your name Cause your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life Break every stronghold Shine through the shadows Burn like a fire in your name. Jesus from the mountains, shout Jesus from the mountains, and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus, shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountain 
pray over these needs. I'm going to pray. But God is going to move. And and here's the thing. Last week, the Lord just laid on my heart that we are an army. And we go to war sometimes. And, and, And how do we go to war? We go to war on our knees. We occupy until he comes. That means we keep fighting. And if you're going through it, if you raised your hand, you are going to go to war right now. This is how we fight our battles praise, declaring that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than that financial need. Jesus is greater than that healing need. Jesus is greater than that relational need. And, and, and the rest of us, we're just going to worship with you. 
but I want this to be your war cry. Jesus, I pray right now for every circumstance. Lord Jesus, you are a mighty God. You are mighty to the tearing down of strongholds. There are spirits and there are strongholds that are set up against your people today that are, Lord, I bind every affliction that is manifesting in a physical way, in an emotional way, in in people's minds and bodies. I take authority over it and I release healing. I release peace and I release freedom. Lord, I release abundance over every financial need represented in this building. Lord Jesus, you are a God that meets our needs according to your glorious riches. And I thank you that you are enough. You are greater. Let's go to war. Let's go to war. afternoon probably about 2 30 from miss fran and if you guys know mr cecil he's had some eye issues for a really long time and he had a huge cataract to the point that the doctors almost didn't operate but he knew that if he didn't operate he might not ever see again and so he went in and all the preliminaries checked out and the doctor ended up operating and this is where the testimony comes in because usually surgeries only can do so much, right? But we are praying, the church is praying, we were praying for Cecil. And let me tell you, God can use surgeries. There's a story in the Old Testament where God healed someone through medicinal purposes. He killed King Hezekiah. Just like, why? Why didn't he just heal him? No, I don't know, but he used medicinal purposes to heal Hezekiah. And God uses this all the time. And so they, they were checking on Mr. Cecil's eyes. And um, and he's like, I can see so good. I can see so good. So they took him back to the doctor. And get this. The doctor is blown away. He's like, I was not expecting him to see this good. I only expected it to get so far. But God, because Jesus is greater. Right? 
He restores the sight to the blind. So this is what I want to do right now. This is what I want to do. He still has another eye that needs to see. They can't operate on the other eye, can they? No. But Jesus can. What eye is it that can't see? His left eye? Yeah. So let's pray right now. Jesus, we thank you that you restore the vision better than what was expected. Now, Lord, I pray that you open the other eye in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for vision to return in the mighty name of Jesus to the left eye. Right now, be healed eye. Amen. Then I'm going to read a testimony to you real quick. Because I don't just want to celebrate what God is doing here. I want to celebrate what God is doing in the Big C Church. And I got a text message last night from my oldest sister. And she says, I got to tell you what happened tonight during worship. The glory was so thick. One of the ladies um, kept getting phone calls um, from her mom, which doesn't happen all that often. So she went out and answered. Her mom told her her granddaughter had drowned and died. She came back in and laid at the altar praying. She got up and got another phone call and she had come back to life. He restores the sight to the blind. He makes the lame leap. He, he, he brings death. He, he, he kicks death in the face and brings life. He brings life back to death. That's the God we serve. Today, I'm just going to pray over you. I know that Pastor Nathan should be ending the service. But I'm going to declare over you today. Lord, I pray for your church. Lord, I pray that you bless them and keep them. That Make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Turn your countenance towards them and may they have peace. Lord, go before them. Lord, open doors for the church to be the church this week. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. I love you guys. I love you so much. If you haven't signed up for a shirt, please sign up. And come ready next week. We're signing up for life groups. Hey guys, we hope that you enjoyed today's service. If God spoke to you in any way or you would like prayer, you can comment below or connect with us on our website at c1.church. If you have never accepted Jesus into your life, we would love to do that. All you need to do is believe that He is the Son of God, that He rose and died again, and ask Him to forgive your sins. If you have done that, please make sure to let us know. We would love to celebrate you. And if you are not in the area, get you connected to a church that would grow you in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you next week.